In the United States, we celebrated Memorial Day yesterday. Not only is it a day to remember those who have fought to preserve our freedom, in most areas of the country, it is the official kickoff of summer. Summer means popsicles, trips to the swimming pool, playing outside extra late with friends, and for lots of kids, it means summer camp. For children with disabilities, summer can mean exposure to a new group of peers who may be unfamiliar with their challenges and strengths, their individual needs, and the accommodations that they need to deal with everyday life. And for parents, that can translate into stress and anxiety about how our child will do, about the reactions that the summer set of peers might have, and about, in many ways, starting at square one, again. But summer can mean more than extra hours of daylight and extra worries and concerns. It can be a season of growth, learning, and progress, and not just for our kids, but for us. In January of 2013, my baby girl Betty was born. Later, we discovered a chromosomal deletion that would affect the rest of her life. I created this podcast to share the stories and struggles of special needs children and their families. This is episode 21 of Bringing Up Betty. I'm Sarah Evans. Kathy Hooven's 14-year-old son, Ryan, has autism. Last summer, he attended a choral camp, and at the final performance, Kathy had some personal breakthroughs that she shared on her blog. When I read her account of her son's concert and heard him sing, I knew I needed to share the story here. Without further ado, here's Kathy. My son Ryan was diagnosed with autism when he was five years old, and ever since then, I watch people. I see their looks, I see their stares, I see their smiles that sometimes I feel border on a smirk. I see their patronizing high fives, and sometimes I wish I had a blindfold. I also hear their voices, and sometimes I hear their silence. I hear the way they speak to him as if he were a young child. He's not a young child. He's 14. Sometimes I wish I had earplugs. I feel my sadness. I feel my anger. I feel the ache deep in my heart. Sometimes I wish I had no heart. These feelings often sweep over me and settle on my chest, directly over my heart to the point of suffocation. But then the feelings go as quickly as they came, leaving me to breathe easy once again. Any more, these moments and these feelings are few and far between. But when they come, they leave a scab that I tend to pick at for days until eventually the scab heals with just a small scar that is visible only to me. It was a hot summer day this summer in the oldest public building in town, a church built in 1825, which meant no Wi-Fi and no air conditioning. A group of teenagers gathered at the front of the church, sitting among the pews, giggling, chatting, and warming up their voices. At the end of the pew, against the wall, sitting alone and seemingly unaware of the buzzing activity around him, sat my son Ryan. Ryan sat quietly looking over his music, preparing for the day's performance, while I almost vibrated out of the pew. His sensory system, which is often so heightened, seemed unaware of all the buzzing activity going on around him. In fact, for a change, it was not my son's sensory system on edge. It was mine. It wasn't Ryan who wanted to bolt out of that old church door to escape the feelings that overwhelmed him. It was me. As I sat in the church with little to no air moving, my chest felt heavy. I wanted to run out of the room with my old friends, Denial and Clueless, who had slid in next to me on the pew when I wasn't looking, making the hot church feel even closer to escape what my brain and my heart were feeling. 
So consumed with my watching, waiting and worrying for what had always been, there may have been a few moments that I missed what really was. As parents continued to arrive and the temperature of the church continued to rise, I felt my heart beating in my chest and a trickle of sweat began forming on my brow. I watched, waited, and hoped with anticipation. Would one kid talk to him? Would one kid see him? Would he talk to one kid? Would he see one kid? After all, he just spent a week with these kids at a choral camp, so it was reasonable for me to get my hopes up, right? Nothing. Not even a nod, a hello, or even an acknowledgement on either side of the pew. And although my heart was pounding and my sensory system felt like it was on overdrive, Ryan looked happy, content, and fine. As always, it was my problem, not his. Once the performance began, once my son stood shoulder to shoulder with the rest of the choral ensemble in front of the non-air-conditioned church, he blended in with the others. He didn't stand alone. He didn't appear different. There was no aloof stance. There was no awkward smile. There was just the music in his voice. Suddenly, I felt my heartbeat slow down and the church no longer felt so stifling. Within the first few notes, the tears began to fall. Not his, mine. He immediately looked my way, seeing no one but me. And once he saw my smile, once he saw my tears of pride, his smile and his tears matched my own. You see, we have sat in many rooms together, the two of us, where no one saw him like I did, where no one heard him like I did, where no one felt him like I did. However, on this day, when his beautiful voice bounced off those church walls, I believe they all saw him, heard him, and felt him, as I always have. I had waited for that moment for a long, long time. Funny thing is, I don't think Ryan has. As he finished his song, there were smiles, there were high fives, and there were good jobs. Even after all that, a part of me still worried that their smiles, their high fives, and their good jobs may not have been sincere, that they may have been a bit patronizing because they saw different. But when I watched my boy take his bow, then fight back his own tears of pride, I realized that what matters most to Ryan is how he sees, how he hears, and how he feels about himself. Ryan spends little time concerning himself with how others perceive him, a lesson we could all learn from him. Had I worn my blindfold, had I brought my earplugs, had I removed my heart, I would not have seen him, heard him, or felt him, and there is no worry great enough and no pain deep enough worth missing that. As for their smiles, their high fives, and their good jobs, they may not have been insincere or patronizing, but even if they were, I need to take a lesson from my son and recognize who and what really matters. Once again, Ryan showed me it is my problem, not his, and it is a problem I believe he has already solved.
Today's episode is brought to you by Easy Peasy. Easy Peasy is a family-run startup that makes all-in-one silicone servingware. The Easy Peasy Happy Mat suctions directly to our dining room table and serves as a divided plate, a placemat, and it can't be flung. All of this to say, Betty is able to eat dinner with our family. Tested and approved for your average messy toddler, Easy Peasy is also helping kids and adults with autism, low vision, CP, and other disabilities eat independently for the first time. Use the promo code BETTY at checkout to save 20% on your order. Just visit easypeasyfun.com. That's E-Z-P-Z-F-U-N.com. Kathy Hooven is a mother, an autism blogger and advocate, and a justice systems consultant. She lives in Pennsylvania with her husband and three kids. You can find her on the web at honestyofautism.com. That's A-W-E-N-E-S-T-Y of autism.com. <laughs> 